0: Let's pray. O lavish love, thou didst prepare, a table bounteous as thy heart, that we might leave our puny cares, and taste and see how great thou art. In Jesus, amen. So I'd like to talk this morning from the verse that we heard read in the 16th Psalm where David says these words in verse 6. He says that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I'd like to uh, tag as a title to the text um, these words. beyond. Boundary lines, getting beyond boundary lines. Boundary lines. The boundary lines for us in the United States of America on this 100th anniversary, anniversary of our Mystic Day, November 11th, 2018, Veterans Day we call it now, the boundary lines for us as people in the U.S. have fallen in very, very pleasant places. It is good to be alive and living in the United States of America. I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. (laughs) I am an immigrant. In fact, I'm a double. I was born in Jamaica, raised in Canada, and moved here, and thanks for letting me in. Okay, it's good. I hope I haven't messed it up too much. It's good to be in the United. The opportunities and the freedoms to assemble, to speak, uh, the opportunities and the freedoms that we have here are unparalleled on our planet and we have so much to be grateful for the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places i want to talk about getting beyond some of those but ba- doing like jesus did in the gospel reading today where he kind of disturbs the boundary lines he kind of disrupts the boundary lines and associates with people who are outside of the customary boundary lines. The the people that they label and tag, sinners, tax collectors, people working for the Roman IRS. (laughs) Collecting money and exploiting his people. And there he is hanging out and cavorting with them. Are boundary lines, are they good or are they bad? Let's pretend this is a classroom. Are boundary lines good or bad, a real question. Both? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the answer. See, of course they're good. We've learned in this Me Too movement that we need boundaries. We need clear relational boundaries so that we do not jeopardize the safety of others, especially males who, and we talked about this yesterday at the men's retreat. 25 different churches represented here at a men's Men coming together to talk about the things of faith. That's a powerful thing when that happens. Men don't talk a whole lot, you know. In fact, like somebody said yesterday that women say twenty thousand words a day, and men say seven thousand words a day. It's a fact. Someone said that yesterday. I-, I said it. Okay, I said it. All right, it's true. And then I said something like, and when I get home from work, and you know, and I ask Monique how her day was, and she paints this great picture of how her day is. Wow, a lot of words. And then she asked me how my day is and what do I say? Fine. Good. I've got 7,000 a day. I use 6,999 at work. And she said, then you can't get dinner then, because you've got to ask what's for dinner, and that's three words. Anyhow, where was I on this message? I, I don't know either, yeah. So let's see, men come together. Boundaries, good or bad? Yes, me too. Setting clear boundaries matter. Boundaries of respect for others matter. Boundary lines are are, are difficult. The boundary lines we have to deal with in life. The the boundary line, the inevitable boundary line between life and death that we all face, getting beyond that boundary line. One of the reasons Monique is not here is because she uh, remained in New York taking care of uh, our Shih Tzu, Sasha. And uh, Sasha was very sick. And at 4.52 this morning, we were on the phone most of the night, Sasha transitioned because, you know, it was time for Sasha to leave. That's tough, these boundary lines that we face in life. Thank God we have a God who gets us beyond the boundary lines, from, from, from life to death, back to life again. Thank God we have that God who redeems, I believe, the whole creation. Redeems the whole creation. Boundary lines can also be divisive, however. They can be destructive. They can be deadly. So I have a story, um, and I have a friend who's an ELCA pastor. And um, he tells a story, and I asked him if he could put it in writing, because I'm actually going to include this story in my uh, next book, entitled Meant for More. And uh, here's his story. Think about how boundary lines are working in this story. Steve Bowerly writes I was assigned to an internship in 1980 at, at Miller's Lutheran Church. By the way, is there anyone here from Hickory, North Carolina? Because I'll stop reading now if there is. <laughs> okay. From Miller's Lutheran Church in Hickory, North Carolina. I was also told at that time that there were three Lutheran churches on the same intersection, but in all honesty, it didn't mean a whole lot to me until I arrived there and learned the history. Three families came over from, from Germany in the early 1800s, the Propes, the Baumgarners, and the Millers. Early on, the Millers said, we will donate land for a church if you name it after us. It's noble. And it was agreed upon, and they called it Miller's Lutheran Church. Some years later, the propes and the gardeners got mad at the Millers and they split off to form their own church. And they did it directly across the street and called it St. Stephen's Lutheran Church. Some years later, the gardeners got mad at the propes and split again and bought land on the same corner across the street. And we're not going to let the other St. Stephen's take their name, so they called it St. Stephen's as well. It became a bit confusing, with two St. Stephen's Lutheran churches on the same corner. So the Bumgardner church, since it was located slightly up a hill, quickly became known as St. Stephen's Upper, (laughs) which it still is referred to today. And they're affiliated with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Of course, the upper church, right. (laughs) It got worse. There is a cemetery on the fourth corner with graves of all three families buried there. The Baumgartners wanted the cemetery for themselves, mainly for funerals of Baumgartners, but the props would not offer it to them, so they took it to court. And of course, the court would have nothing to do with it. So what do you do when you can't acquire a cemetery? You sneak in, <laughs> which is what the Baumgartners did. During the middle of the night, and they built a brick foundation wall around all the Baumgartner plots so that they will not have to lay beside the dead bodies of the probes until Christ comes again. <laughs> and Jesus wept. <laughs> really, I mean, it's, it's, just look at, look at the way the boundary lines drawn in such unpleasant ways in unpleasant ways. And it's easy for us to laugh at this because it's so ridiculous. But even in our own lives, if we dig deep and think, we can find even in our own lives boundary lines that we have erected between us and others that Jesus Christ has nothing to do with. Boundary lines that we try even sometimes to authenticate and substantiate using our religion, or maybe our morality, that we are not going to associate with those sinners. Or, we are not going to associate with those people who don't walk like us, or talk like us, or look like us, or cook like us, or make the same kind of money we make, or of our, of our kind of status and social standing. If if we think deep and dig deeply, we can find, even in our own lives, boundary lines that we have erected of unforgiveness, keeping people on the hook of unforgiveness and refusing to let them go. Boundary lines that we erect that destroy the mission of the body of Christ. It's easy to look back and laugh, but I wonder in a hundred years, But those who are looking back at us might look back and shake their heads at some of the boundary lines that we have between people. So it's Sunday, a day when we confess our sin. So I have a true confession, Pastor. Hear my confession. (laughs) Um, About a time when I um, let, let boundary lines get the best of me. And um, it was when I was president CEO of Lutheran World Relief and traveling all over the world, a lot of international travel, a lot of domestic travel, exhausting, wearying, fatiguing travel. And uh, I was in an airport, Oklahoma City Airport, at the end of a long trip and I was um, annoyed uh, and I was uh, frustrated and I was tired. And I was in the, the TSA line. You know what that stands for, right? TSA. Totally slow and annoying. <laughs> no, that's not fair. That's not, we need TSA. We need TSA. And they, and they work hard. But this, this is before they had like the express line. I get, I get you know, I get through quick now. I, I have clear now. I get through with just two fingers, okay? But before that, you know, there was no quick way through. And I was in this line, and there was a family in front of me of about 20 people. And they were obviously immigrants to the United States of America. And they did not speak, they spoke Spanish. And they were, they didn't understand the simple directions from the TSA agent who was telling them to remove stuff from their pockets and take off their big belts. And, and there was a group and they had balloons and streamers and like cards saying welcome home. They weren't even traveling like I was. Okay, they weren't even traveling. They were just going through to meet some friend who was arriving back at that airport. And there they were in the line and they were in my way. I had to travel, I had to get home, I have important work to do. And you were just, and they had like grandmothers and who were like slow moving and didn't understand what the TSA agents were saying. And I was just entirely, absolutely frustrated by them. They were in my way. And finally, finally, I get through the line and I sit down at my gate just to close my eyes and just try to just relax. And they let out the loudest of shouts as their plane, to wait, you woke me up, right? As their plane is arriving. So I went over to see who could this be that's arriving home, getting all of this attention. And the plane arrived at the gate, the door opened, and he was the first person off the plane. And he was probably about 20 years old. And he had crutches, and he had a kruka, tight kruka, jet black hair. He was um, a soldier in the United States Army. And where his face was supposed to be uh, was wounded and was bandaged. And where his legs were supposed to be, there were two titanium rods going into his boots, because this soldier refused to be carried home on a stretcher. He came home in his boots, in uniform. And the entire gate area, as he stood there on his crutches, burst into applause. And I burst into tears, because here am I, this immigrant, for whom the boundary lines have fallen so wonderfully well, annoyed by these immigrants who are in my way because they're on their way to see their son and grandson and brother who had sacrificed his body, his future, so that we can be annoyed, so that we can enjoy the privileges of freedom and of the opportunities we have here in the United States of America. And I was crushed by the thought that I had done this. I, I, I who should know better, of all people, had done this uh, to this family. And uh, he stood on his crutches, and he leaned on his left crutch, and he saluted the entire gate area. You know, we... we uh, In World War I and World War II, we received our veterans as as though they were the heroes that they are. Not so much in the Vietnam War or the Korean War. Um, With that, we were very disrespectful in many cases to veterans. But now we're, I think, even worse. Because now we've become apathetic. Like, for example, do you know that we are in this we're currently in, at war. Do you realize that we are a nation that is at war? That in Afgh- we're in, in, at war in Afghanistan, in the second longest war in United States history. In a few months, it'll be the longest war. 17 years was the length of the Vietnam War and the uh, Afghanistan wars. We're also at war against ISIS. We're at war against ISIS. So we're actually a nation that is at war. And so we ought to pause on this day and consider the ways in which the boundary lines, because of those who serve our nation, and protect us, and keep us, so that we can just be about our business, not even thinking about these blessings and these privileges that God has given to us uh, in this nation. But back to this young man at this gate. The image of this young, young man serves as a perfect analogy for Jesus Christ, a kind of Christ type, a Christ figure. Someone who gives of himself and of his flesh and of his very being for you and for your salvation and for your freedom. Someone who sacrifices his entire self so that you can have the blessings and the opportunities that you and I enjoy. Uh, This Jesus, the book of Ephesians, puts it like this. This Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, this Jesus himself, according to Ephesians 2, this Jesus is our peace. In other words, we have peace with, each, with one another and we have peace with God because of this Jesus. We have peace with our own selves in terms of the forgiveness of sins that we assuredly receive because of this Jesus. And it says in Ephesians two fourteen that this Jesus in his flesh, in his very body, in his very being, In other words, in in places where it hurts, where there's pain and where there's sacrifice, this Jesus in His flesh, on, on a cross in His flesh, this Jesus has made divided groups, divided groups into one group, and that this Jesus has broken down the dividing wall that separates people from one another, the walls of hostility that we can't tear down, that we don't have the courage to face this Jesus tears them down for us, and creates a new community. And it's the sort of community that that, that I love seeing here at St. Andrew's. Why I love coming back to St. Andrew? Because St. Andrew is exactly that kind of community—not a perfect community, but a community working every day to finish the work that Jesus finished with breaking down and tearing down the dividing walls that divide humans from one another. Our nation needs communities like this community. This community that's not divided. This community that's united around Jesus. Uh, So I made a list of all the things and all the ways that Jesus works for us. Jesus, the, the good news telling, storm calming, fear dispelling, peace talking, humble walking Jesus. Jesus, the racism routing, hater outing, mercy loving, mountain moving Jesus. Jesus, the the leper embracing, cross bearing, spirit giving, justice doing, sinner forgiving, saint motivating, boundaries breaking, disciple making, no time for faking Jesus. This Jesus who reaches out to the last among us, the least among us, the left behind in life, those that we consider lepers, this Jesus who reaches out to the littlest among us and reaches out to every one of us when we need Him the most and loves us and loves us and loves us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.